you doing? We have so many people on the call. I had to search through to find you. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Find you for a second, man. Listen, um, <laughs> everybody, welcome Phil Roundtree um, of the Who Got You. Um, you got. You can't man, <laughs> man podcast. Uh, uh, Phil and I become, you know, friends, good friends over the past year. I am, I would say, his, I don't know if I'm your biggest fan, but I'm a huge fan of your work. I got my, um, this is what anxiety looks like, hoodie. I got to get my T-shirt. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you want to go to uh, Quantify. You, you'll tell them all about how to. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I'm definitely going to do some promoting. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But, I mean, I, I just, I'm very passionate about um, mental health and mental fitness as, as a component of success in every walk of life. And what I love about you, and there's a whole generation, it seems like, of BE Modern Men who have stopped waiting for permission for the rest of the world for us to see their, our, our own health and healing and, and just going on and doing the daggone thing. So I, I, that, yeah. that's one of the things I just I love about you um, and, which, and the work that you're doing. Um, you're representative of a whole generation of young men, including um, many of them who will be at Black Men Excel this year. Um, and we had a great mental health session last year. We're going to do some more work this year. But, uh, yeah. but that's why I'm just a big fan of yours, and I'm glad you took some time to, to chat with us today. So uh, I appreciate tell you. people about who you are and what you do and, and, and uh, what we'll be talking about over the next few minutes. So I am Philip Browntree, born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm currently a full-time entrepreneur, and the next few weeks I'll be celebrating my one-year anniversary as a full-time yes. entrepreneur. So I know you see a little bit more grays in my beard and in my hair now because it's been, it's been definitely an interesting journey. And so what I do primarily is I'm a mental health advocate. I have a background in social work, so I have a master's in social work, a master's in exercise science. We both went to Rutgers, so a Rutgers. master's in social work from Rutgers. Um, and so a background in child and child and family therapy. I've worked in child welfare. I was a hospital social worker for a very long time. Um, but it, it was finally put on my heart to really get out here and start telling my story with regards to mental health. Um, you know, I live with depression and anxiety. I have so for over 20 years. And, and notice the, the words that I use that I live with. It, you know, some people say suffering. I don't begrudge anybody for saying suffering. But I think words are very powerful, right? And so uh, it, it just shifts my perspective in how I deal with my own mental health. And so me getting out here telling my story. So one of the things that I do is I'm a speaker. I go to colleges, universities, anywhere where I can really have a conversation about mental health, black mental health in particular, because I think we're in a climate now where, yes, we're having a conversation on mental health, which is a beautiful thing. But now I think we, we really need to, to really recognize the impact that it's having amongst people of color. So I, I did a TED Talk. Feel free to watch it on YouTube. It's you guys so have to check out this TED Talk. <laughs> interrupt you because uh, no, no. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've seen tons of TED Talks. So, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that TED Talk is powerful, bro. Oh, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate it. And so the, so my name is Philip Brown. If you look up Black Mental Health Matters, and it's just the idea that in society we we have it's been a whitewashing of of mental health. So we talk about Robin Williams, we talk about Kate Spade, we talk about Chester Bennington, all who died by suicide. Again, language matters. They didn't commit suicide; they died by suicide. And so it's just the idea about what about Lee Thompson Young? What about Sam Sarpong? What about Ashanti Davis? Uh, people of color who've died by suicide as well, 
who don't get uh, that recognition with regards to what they experience. And so I just feel like uh, the mental health experience in itself is already um, stigmatized and marginalized. And so it's my duty to really get out here and have this conversation. I'm not a three-piece where I'm not as, I'm not as pretty as you, good brother. You know what I mean? I see, I see the bow tie. I always stay sharp, right? I'm, you know, I'm from Philly. I, I wear T-shirts all the time. I ripped up jeans. But I'm somebody who, who experiences. I'm somebody who feels. And that's what I offer to people. So that's just one of the various things that I do. Um, it may get into more of the work that I do with regards to mental wellness coaching, um, the podcast, the group that I run. So, yeah, that, but that's just a little bit about, about me and who I am and what I stand for. See, the, the powerful thing about you, and, and I can think of a couple other brothers for whom this is true as well, um, Jay Barnett, who you and Jay are going to be sitting on this session with Jason Rosario at Blackman Excel. You guys are professionally trained to do what you do, but you come at it from a perspective of people who have lived it and are living with it in your own lives. So it's, it's not a clinical... Like you said, you're not you're not somebody with a pipe and a and a pair of glasses and a three piece suit, um, you know, sitting kind of academically removed from the experience of what it means to be a black man who is coping and and um, ultimately becoming victorious, living with depression, living with anxiety, and therefore not only providing professional expertise but also a really powerful mo model and role model and an example for other brothers including the brothers in your, in your, in your weekly group, which I, I still got to get the feeling to, be, to, to join that group because it looks amazing. Yeah. Talk yeah. about what it's like to, to help men, um, and black men in particular, you know, basically be, have a chance to become victorious while living with depression and anxiety. Talk about the, the work of the men in your group and why you do that. So, for, so here in Philly, every other week, I have a, a group called It's Entitled You Good Man. And it's the idea that where men come together to, to really just have open and honest dialogue. This isn't a barbershop conversation. You know, salute to those brothers because they've been having real conversations for a long time. But the, the unhealthy, I, I, I hate the word, the term toxic masculinity, but I know people understand what the ideals are with regards to masculinity. Right. So I'll use that for lack of a better words. And so within this group that I have, we're, we're breaking down the ideas of toxic, toxic masculinity. We're going to have, we have conversations where we're talking about our health. We're talking about our wellness. We're emoting. We're challenging brothers. Listen, I always use the example. If a brother comes in and he says, and this has happened, yo, this B is making me mad and frustrated. It's just like, okay, cool. First, we're going to address why you're upset, why you're frustrated. And then we're going to push back on the language that you're using to identify, mm. uh, to, to describe this individual. So we just don't let you get whatever off, right? And so, because that's a, that's a necessary part of growth. Necessary part of growth is, is the pushback that takes place. Uh, here in Philadelphia, it's a, it's a place called Uncle Bobby's. I go here uh, almost, every day, almost every day. I'm actually here right now in the space where I have the group. And it's owned by Mark Lamont Hill, yes, yes. Um, who's, you know, political pundit and what have you. He doesn't know music to save his life, but, you know, he, he's afforded me this, and people in the background laughing. Um, <laughs> uh, he, he afforded me, him, his staff, and, and, you know, they've been so gracious to afford me this space to, for, to allow us men to convene. Coming up in September, um, it's going to be one year, which it was only wow. supposed to be one week. Right. It was supposed to be one week. They, they approached me and said, Phil, 
are you interested in doing something for Suicide Prevention Awareness Week? And I said, yeah, I want to have this men's group. And so we all came in. We had UPenn professors. We had the lay person who's 19, year old, 19 years old trying to figure out life. We have everybody that comes here, no matter how you identify sexually, um, ethnicity-wise, you're all welcome to come to this group. And after that, first, after that first session, it was like, yo, we had about 20 brothers. We averaged about 15 to 20 brothers every two weeks. And he's like, yo, we need, we need this again. I was like, don't tell me. <laughs> Go tell the man. Right? And so they went, they went and told him, and, and here we are where, you know, about to come up on a year, and I'm so appreciative because it's something that I needed, right? It's something that I needed. Yes, I go to therapy every week um, or sometimes every other week, but I also need to be able to just convene with brothers. One of the reasons why, you know, I come to uh, BMXL every year um, because it's the opportunity to convene with people who look like me or who don't look like me so I could get different perspectives because, again, my end goal is to grow, Right. And I know that in order for me to grow, I need to be challenged. I need to be pushed. And I just need it. I need a safe space. I know we live in a patriarchy and, and what have you. Um, but it's still like we still feel as men, we still feel the effects of patriarchy and, and unhealthy masculinity. Where Again, we can't emote in a, in a healthy way. We can't be as expressive as we desire. And so that's what this space offers. Yeah, t talk a little bit more about that. I mean, what you what you offer um, with your biweekly group, what Black Men Excel really is all about, is creating safe spaces for Black men to be honest with each other, honest with um, the people that they're in relationship with, but in a safe environment, um, a non judgmental environment, but an environment that really is about affirming at least your right to say who you are and how you feel. Um, and then, like you said, you can move on from there in terms of the growth that comes after that. But you can't grow if you're not even allowed the room to breathe and to, and like yeah. said, to release um, and yeah. to get it outside of you so you can deal with it. Talk about the power of safe spaces, not only at an event like Black Men Excel, but the need to create those spaces for uh, black men and boys um, you know, year-round in every, every place that we can. Yeah. So it's, it's important because, you know, when we think about coping, we're going to cope one way or another. It's either going to be healthy coping or it's going to be unhealthy coping. Yes. It's going to come out. Everything that we've experienced, the, the historical trauma, the present-day trauma, the things that we experience in our daily lives, this is all going to come out. It's going to manifest itself in some way and so the importance of having a space safe space is so it can come out in a in a in a uh, it could come out in a in a healthy way and not in a maladaptive way so you can be expressive you can discuss what's happening with you you know we had the group last night and we we had about four new brothers who came and you know they were all happy that they came we we discussed well what did we discuss last night we talked about uh, microaggressions within the the uh, within the employment setting yeah, and yeah. so we discussed how to navigate that um navigating racism now a white brother of mine he was in here um a fellow a fellow masters of social work and so he was able to offer how he as an ally is is you know um trying to combat white supremacy and what have you and we talked about the importance of um you know finding a wellness routine we're talking about various things to really edify us and to help us keep going because there's certain things that we uh, unless that brother's going to quit his job today right if he went in and quit he's he's going to continue to experience this and so now we have to put him into uh, a space and build him up 
right? Unfortunately, right? To where we have to, he's able to succeed no matter in what environment that it is. And so part of that is incumbent upon him, but him coming to this safe space for the first time and having that conversation of now hopefully flip the switch on how he needs to proceed in dealing with this well. And there's another brother who came, he hit me up this morning on, on Instagram and my DM like, yo, I woke up this morning. It was just like something I need. A homie of mine, Paul, we went to high school together. We weren't necessarily close um, during that period, but now he comes to the group. He hit me up at 8 a.m. tomorrow yesterday morning because he didn't see the flyer. Me post the flyer. He said, yo, I need this because otherwise I don't know when I'm going to get the opportunity to let my hair down and just be and just be seen as a human being. I'm not seen as a threat. I'm not seen as um, somebody who's who's subpar. I'm not shaming myself. I'm not being shamed by others. And so uh, it's important that we have these spaces because, again, you know, I, I harp on it, but we all deserve the opportunity to thrive in life. And so for, for so many of us, we've just been surviving. Right. And so yeah. it, it's important that we go, we make that shift from surviving to thriving. It's a difficult shift. Right. It's something that I work on every day. Um, and so I, I do my best. I try to show myself grace and recognize. I first try to create a safe space within my mind because yep. in my mind, I'm, 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 a, I'm my biggest critic, right? I'm a, I'm a, um, as much as I love myself, I criticize myself a lot. I'm, I'm not the most compassionate person when it comes to myself. I can be compassionate to others. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to do these things. But when it comes to myself, I don't hold myself uh, with this, the esteem that I'm supposed to. And so, again, it's something that I'm working on. And these spaces help me. Well, you know, uh, you know, you know, me and my wife, Zara Green, have the grown zone. And so the, the whole idea of self-love and personal growth is foundational to our business. And uh, one of the things that we tell people is that there are three things you must give to yourself to become a healthy individual. And that's compassion, forgiveness, and unconditional acceptance. That, that if you can't give those things to yourself, it's going to be hard for you to, like you said, thrive as opposed to just exist or survive. Exactly. And it's going to be hard for you to healthily relate to other people because your standard of being able to relate to other people is set by your relationship and the quality of the relationship you have with yourself. So I want you to keep working on that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Don't be so hard Therapy. on yourself. Therapy so, every Friday at 9 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of letting your hair down, I mean, again, you know, Black Men Excel is about creating a safe space. And that thing you said about, you know, uh, not being judged, not judging yourself, not being judged or shamed by others is a big deal because one of the, you know, primary messages um, behind BE Modern Men and Black Men Excel is that we want to create a space where black men are the solution, not the problem. And so much of society uh, positions us as a problem to be solved or eliminated or contained or corrected. Um, whether that's at, at the job, whether that's on the street, whether that's, you know, it, it, you know, even, even well-meaning people will only deal with, deal with us in, in the context of our dysfunction. Um, yeah. So, you know, talk about the value of, of, of Black Men Excel and Beating Modern Man to say the language does matter. Yeah. You know, people, we may have problems, but we aren't the problem. And yeah. we have to say that to each other and say that to ourselves. But talk, talk about what, what you enjoyed about being at Black Men Excel last year and what, you, what you're looking forward to um, when we get together in Miami in a couple of weeks. So, so I'll go back to last year. Uh, that was my first time going. I saw you on The Breakfast Club, and I watched that, that interview. I was like, all right, this might be something that I'm interested in. 
And so I was debating whether I was going to go or not. I was debating is it, if it was for me. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. And so it, it starts when I get to the airport. I get to the airport, you know, on my way down to where it was last year. And I still had like this Philly mentality, this up north mentality, where it's the idea of, unfortunately, it's, we look at each other as being competition, right? Whether consciously or unconsciously. When we walk around the street, and it's a lot of people of color, especially black men, where we walk around, you know, we're frowning, we're scowling. When we see another brother, we're automatically, I mean, we might be unconsciously sizing them up to see if they're a threat. And so I was taking this mindset, despite the background that I have as a, in the helping profession and what have you, and me being, you know, a soft teddy bear, <laughs> uh, I, I, it's still a matter of protection, right, that we have to, that we walk around with, because, again, it's crucial to our survival. And so I'm in the airport chilling. I get on the airplane, and I ended up sitting next to, to Frank Brady, who was last year's uh, BE Modern Man of the Year. It and was if you know. You can't be next to Frank Brady and be frowning. That, that you you can't. Him. You can't. So we, it's early in the morning. We on the plane. I'm sitting next to him, and he started busting it up with me. And in my head, I'm like, yo, I don't feel like talking right now. I don't know you, brother. Right? And so he keeps going. And next thing you know, we talked the whole three-hour flight. And so when I get off, I'm feeling lighter. I'm feeling like I made a connection with somebody. Right? And we get to, we get to the hotel. And I just see just black men walking around laughing and smiling. And I'm not used to that. You know, I'm used to that here when I come to Uncle Bobby's, but in the other spaces that I travel, because we think about it, me being a therapist, uh, me working in social work, I'm dealing with a lot of trauma all the time. I'm not dealing with smiling people all the time. And right. so me being in that space, it was like, wow, <laughs> right? We, we do smile, right? We can engage one another. This isn't a competition, but this is a celebratory experience. And right. I was able to connect with with so many brothers down there. Um, and I think that was the biggest thing for me because being a black man who grew up, you know, father, what was primarily not in his life, my older brother, God, God bless the dead, he died when I was 17. So I was shaped mostly by my mother in video games, right? And so, <laughs> and, and so with this, I didn't have experiences with, with black men. Right. I, the only black men that I've that I had were my friends. Right. But we all thinking the same. And so I didn't have the elders. I didn't know how to really engage with black men when it wasn't something unhealthy. Well, we weren't talking about chasing girls or we weren't talking about sports and we weren't talking. You know, we were where we were talking about just us and who we are and, right. and where we are in, in our existence. And so that's what that offered me. And it, that was just the the icing on the cake, you know, the, all the things that were offered, you know, we're talking about barber, uh, you know, uh, uh, almost 24-7 barbershop. We're talking about wine tasting. I never would, I started drinking wine after that, right? Like, <laughs> I was never, I was never a wine drinker. It was, it, my vice was whiskey, right? And so, um, you know, the wine, now. yeah, it got me a little sophisticated. <laughs> I might get a bow tie next and put pair it with the t-shirt. <laughs> But it was just a, it was a great experience just in engaging with with the men and women that showed up. And, you know, the entertainment was a top notch with Wyclef, um, the different speakers, you know, seeing people that you might only see on TV. Like, I'm like, that's Ed Gordon, right? I'm like, yo, Ed Gordon, like, what's up? He's like, hey, what's going on? We're sitting there having a conversation. Because, yep. again, it's not um, that that type of setting where 
if you think it's a type of setting where people are going to be snobby and you want to be snobby, then it might not be for you because everybody's going to be having conversations. Capone, we sitting there rapping, making jokes back and forth. We're just all navigating this space um, in, in a celebratory fashion. And so it was yeah. just a, amazing to be at. And it was informational, too. It wasn't just the, the fun that came with it. Like you said, we had the, the, pan, the various panels on or where we were with regards to, to black folk and sports with Jamel Hill and, and, and Tommy and, um, you know, the mental health panel and, and having conversations, things that we really need to have co not only conversation, but tangible solutions yes. with. And so that definitely came with that experience. That's the reason why I'm coming back, right? Because otherwise, if it, if it wasn't, then, you know, nobody wants to waste money in this day and age. And so, right, no, right. it's is it adds to this i look at this as adding to um adding to my wellness because for so many of us we don't give ourselves breaks we don't know how to relax and just be and right. so you know i had people like oh you want to come with me nah i'm going by myself this is fill time for these couple of days and i'm just going to enjoy this experience so how has being a BE Modern Man um, kind of extended the re your reach for the work that you do, maybe your opportunities to collaborate with other, collaborate with other brothers that you've met? How has how being a BE Modern Man um, affected your experience and your vision for what you're doing? Well, I mean, I'm here, right? <laughs> like, on yeah. this with you. Like, like honestly, that's, that's part of it. Um, you know, just the connections that I've been able to, to make with other brothers. Um, but I think more so for me, because um, I, I never, I, I really just worry about, am I being effective, right? And how effective can I be? And what's aiding me in being effective? And so with that, yes, so, you know, some more notoriety, people seeing me and say, oh, you're X, Y, and Z. Yes, I could put it in my speaker sheet that I was, you know, 2018 Be Modern Man. But for me, it was just something that was, that was filling my cup up, right? It just added to it. And that gave me the strength. And so uh, you know, so when I wake up, because there's times that I wake up and I'm dealing with symptoms of depression and anxiety, I can sometimes I look at my res my, my CV. I look at, you know, my speaker sheet to say, listen, brother, you got this. When those self-defeating thoughts come in. Yeah. And so it, it, it adds it, it, it's just more fuel to, to the fire for me to be out here. Right. Because it is, you know, recognition matters. Recognition definitely matters. And so to be recognized by, you know, such a prestigious institution, a longstanding institution like Black Enterprise, that that, that meant the world to me, meant, you know, meant probably more to my mama. But, uh, you know, of, of, of who I'm, of who she knew me to be. And I think now at 35 years of age, I'm slowly starting to understand the man that I am. Yeah, man. Um, I, I get with all of that. Um, you know, Sean Dove calls that that kind of affirmation mission fuel. Um, Sean Dove of the Campaign for Black Male Achievement, yeah. first BE Modern Man of the Year. And we all need that mission fuel when, when we have those. I mean, I have, you know, those doubts and those thoughts that I wake up very anxious in the morning. And that, you're right. Going back and saying, listen, this is what you've overcome. This is what you've accomplished. You do have this, no matter how you feel at this moment, you got this. So listen, talk a little bit, um, you know, as we, we get close to wrapping up, you know, how did you realize that you needed personally to reach out for help? And, and how did that inform your ability to help other brothers to begin to recognize and have the courage to reach out for help when they're, when they're coping with depression, anxiety, or, or other mental health challenges? 
Yeah, so so the so statistics show that it typically takes somebody 10 years to truly get help with their mental health. And mm-hmm. so for me, for me it was no different. Um my brother died at I saw my mother have a nervous breakdown when I was in 8th grade. Um so that was a traumatic experience. My brother died when I was 17 way before the opioid epidemic became chic. It was black folk within hip hop who were using codeine, who, you know, Lil Wayne had seizures, Percocet, Xanax. And so he, he died from that at the age of 24. So traumatic situations and me not understanding how to cope and how to deal with that, which added to the depression and the anxiety. We're talking about um, biological factors. My grandmother wanted to throw my mother out of the window when she was a baby and her 12 year old sister took her, took her because she was schizophrenic and she had some type of psychosis. And so me, all of the challenges and experiences of me as a black man, me fitting a description, right? Seeing people who look like me get killed by people who look like me, that all adds in this idea of having to be twice as good all the time. It's exhausting. And so that all added to my mental health, me going to a predominantly white institution um, and being arrested and, and expelled over a cup of juice, right? right. All of these things um, added to you know, my mental health. And in spite of it all, I still was able to thrive and obtain three degrees or what have you. And so it took its emotional toll, though. I was suicidal from the ages of 17 to 15, five to six times a day. Uh, you know, here on I-95, you on the East Coast, you know what that's at. You yeah. know, I-95, yeah, wanting to crash my car because I was having suicidal thoughts to that to that extent. And so if it finally all came to a head when I was 32, brief story. You and I both, we have affinity for working out. That's one of the things that we do to help cope and help us deal with life. And so I had just finished completing a powerlifting meet and my shoulder was messed up for a few months. I went to my primary doctor and I was in there and, and you know, he was like, well, you want your physical? I was like, yeah, give me the physical. Um, Since I'm here already, we, we have to get yearly physicals. It's important. That's one of the things you know, I'll go off on another tangent real quick about the group and why it's so important. I had nurses come out and to check the blood pressures of the brothers. This is right after John Singleton died and Luke Perry yeah. had died some months before. And a brother who works here, his his blood pressure was through the roof. He was 29. He didn't know. And he his daughter was less than six months old. Right. But him coming to the group, he was able to go and now start to work on that and have that awareness. Right. And so that's why it's, that's so important. But with that, you know, he started going through the test, uh, you know, do you feel depressed? And at this point, I was just tired. I was tired. I had fought as long as I could. And I was like, yes, I am depressed. And it was like, all right, you know, I could start you on some medications. And I, this wasn't the first time I had saw therapists previously, but they weren't for me. Because what do we do? We throw the baby out with the bathwater. We go once and then, nah. this person isn't for me. We don't do that to McDonald's or restaurants we go to. We chalk it up to them. <laughs> to them having a bad day or the, the cook might not have been at their best, but then we'll go back. And so in the midst of that 10 years or 15 years at this point, those things happened. And it just got to the point where I wanted more for myself. And so yes. me wanting more for myself, I started medication. Uh, you know, I, t- I show my medication. I take it daily. I still take it daily. Um, the suicidal ideations went away completely because thought perseveration, where you consistently think about the same thought over and over again, um, you know, that's a part of the chemical imbalance that exists. And so with that, I felt good. Um, but th- moving forward, 
it was it was the death of a young man by the name of Emmanuel Sloan. He went to Boys Latin High School here in Philadelphia. At 19 years of age, he jumped in front of a train. And so from that moment on, I, and it was funny, I was supposed to leave the field of social work. I was done. I wanted to go be a strength and conditioning coach. I was supposed to work at Villanova University as that. And the day before I was supposed to start, I resigned. I, I sent the email and said, I can't do this because of this young man's death. I don't know what they responded and said because I didn't check the email because it was nothing they could do to tell me because I knew that people like me needed me out here in this space and that I would be abandoning them. And so from that point on, it was just, again, those incremental steps that as far as me seeking out a therapist who I could relate to. When I first found my, my Dr. Val, she's right over there in Jersey, uh, Haddonfield, Jersey. Um, the reason I went was because of a breakup. I was going through a, 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 a really bad breakup. And, you know, I, when I got to her, as soon as I walked in the door, I started crying. It wasn't because of the breakup, but it was just because I finally got the release. I yes. finally got to just take the mask off and just show Phil, not the bodybuilder, power lifter, the mental health advocate, none of that. I could be seen, right? Yes. And that's, and that's what a lot of us desire. We desire to be seen. And so just with that journey, again, I have my days, my, my highs and my lows, but, um, you know, some days I, I fight harder than others, right? To, to continue on. Right. But again, I wouldn't change this, this experience for the world. Um, and it's just something I deal with. Again, I live with it. It's not, it's not going anywhere. Uh, for some people, it may, if they may have situational depression, it may go away. Um, but for me, it's here to stay. And so I accept that, right? I accept that this is a part of my journey. And so now how can I use this to help others um, in their journey? This man, that's why I love you. And of course, we got, we, we, you and I do have a lot in common. Both, both oh, for sure. Side, we both like to work <laughs> out. Um, I also am very um, vocal about me seeing my therapist. Um, I have a standing weekly appointment. We always know I'm not always going to make it if I'm traveling or, what, or whatever. Because I think we have, to, we have to normalize taking care of our mental fitness. Uh, you know, I call it mental fitness because you need it whether you're healthy or not. <laughs> um, you need your mental fitness to be taken care of just the way we think nothing of going to the doctor, nothing to get back, you know, nothing about getting an annual physical. And so I, I just, I just so excited and proud that, that you're on that front line, um, not only getting brothers the space and the help they need, but to normalize that this is just what thriving people do. They take care of themselves. They, they, yeah. If they're healthy, they maintain their health. And if they have a challenge to their health, they do something about it, you know. So listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up. You've been really generous with your time, y'all. This is the kind of fire that Phil and these other brothers be shooting out at you at, at Black Men Excel. Again, it's um, August 28th through September 1st. Um, Phil Roundtree will be one of the brothers, not only sharing on the session of BE Modern Men, but he'll be there for the whole event. Is he, he so eloquently laid out? We'll get the feed and, and nurture and, and pour into each other. Um, during those several days, you go to blackenterprise.com forward slash black men X, not EX, but X, C-E-L. Um, I think we still have a special um, offer that really will give you a great discount and maybe, maybe bring a, a someone with you um, at a very reduced rate. I mean, the goal is to get as many people there and certainly as many brothers there as possible um, because it is a unique event. And, and listen, Phil. Thank you so much for just being you. I'm definitely going to get down to Philly um, soon for for one of your <laughs> sessions uh, after the competition season's over. Put it that way. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I know how that goes. October. Real and, quick, uh, can I can I plug some some stuff real quick? 
Oh, please do. Please do. Oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So if you're definitely in the Philly, Jersey area, come down to Uncle Bobby's. It's a great bookstore. It's a great environment for for people of color, especially to just have conversation. But just there's so many dynamic people that you could just meet on on a daily basis. Um, I have the You Good Man podcast that's on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, Google Play Music. The good brother Alfred was on one of the that, episodes. That podcast with me. is the truth, bro. The truth. Oh, I, I appreciate you. Subscribe. They need to subscribe. I appreciate you. I also offer mental wellness coaching. I'm also a speaker. You can go to my website, www.quadified, as Q is in quail, U-A-D as in dog, E-F-Y, L-L-C dot net. I have an upcoming webinar with regards to how to, how to succeed as a co-parenting father. I'm a father who's co-parenting right now. Listen, sometimes it gets rough and we need to recognize how we can advocate for ourselves uh, or just if you're a father in general or a woman who, who just would like insight into to what it means to be a, a especially a black father in yes. today's climate. It's a you know, it's a definitely an opportunity. I got merch. <laughs> Feel free to grab merch. As I said, I'm a full time entrepreneur. This is what depression looks like. The, merch is the, the merch is the truth, too, y'all. <laughs> It's and good I quality. The, I got the hoodie, <laughs> but I'm going to get some more stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm definitely going to bring you something down, but I appreciate it. Any type of support, even if you just like a picture, again, that, that might mean they seem meaningless, but not for me, somebody who does this on a daily basis, it means the world to me. So that's Phil underscore Quadify, QuadifyLLC.net. I appreciate you all. Thanks, man. I'm going to let you go, bro. Thanks so much. <laughs>